I think that all of the most powerful people of the past had great emotion and very powerful rational logic and thought behind what they did. Right. Because people who are just emotional can't get anything done, mm-hmm. and people who are just rational have no interest in getting anything done. Mm. Welcome to the Four Fires Podcast, where we talk about winning in all four of the essential areas of life. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. Today I have a great privilege of having a conversation with my friend Matt Butler. Matt is a super wise and intentional individual, and I'm super thankful to have him in my life. And so I'm honored to be able to have a conversation with him today. So Matt, uh, let you give a little introduction, and then we'll get into today's topic. Thanks, Jeff. You're kind. A <laughs> um, little bit about me real quick is I'm from the south side of Atlanta. I went to Georgia Tech. I have a business degree, MBA as well. But, you know, none of those things really matter in, in, in the topic we're setting. So I have really great friends. I have a wife of 14 years, and I have three sons we go to church, we play a lot of sports, I work really hard, I'm a professional consultant, and moments in my life talking to people like Jeff, people like Alan, they're the moments that matter to me, they're the moments that inspire and inform who I want to be. So Matt, one of the things that you've said to me before that really stuck out to me, and one of the things that I want to base this entire podcast on is... You told me, nice guys are lame, good men are what this world needs more of, I want to be a good man. So that that's going to be today's topic. I'm just going to let you start sharing about what you think that quote means. I guess I'm happy with that quote being out in the public, right? <laughs> uh, it's a little harsh, uh-huh. um, but I think sometimes that's a good thing, and that sometimes is what good men are called to be, is sometimes it's important to be harsh, mm-hmm. um, in a, in a loving and kind way. Um, but big picture, I think since I've become a man and as I continue to figure out what it means to be a man, I re- have been recognizing in the world there's a real demand for men that are nice but not a tolerance for men who are good because good men oftentimes to create something better and help others, they're not popular. But if you want real change in the world, You need good, not nice. Nice is tolerant. Good is changing. It's Mm -hmm. evolving. It's improving. It's fixing. It's getting better. Yeah. So earlier this morning, you also, on this topic, you had said that nice guys talk about their feelings. Good men, I think it was like make a plan to deal with their feelings. Can you remember exactly what you said this morning? Um, You know, I'm an advocate for going to counseling, and I'm an advocate for getting the wonderful unofficial counseling that comes from having great friends. Mm -hmm. And I think in the environments where I've been, where I've gotten the most fruit from those conversations and helped me become the best man that I can be, it's when I am aware of my feelings and then I use the wisdom that's all over the Bible to help me think about what action I'm going to take as a result of those those feelings. Mm But I think in today's culture, in today's world, a lot of people just want to talk about their feelings. And they think if getting those out is the solution, and it's mm-hmm. not the solution. Right. Everyone has feelings. Not everyone 
has the ability to take those feelings and do something about them. And that's everything from how do you help your client to how do I treat my, my child? Mm-hmm. How do I change the world? Yeah. I think that all of the most powerful people of the past had great emotion and very powerful rational logic and thought behind what they did. Right. Because people who are just emotional can't get anything done, mm-hmm. and people who are just rational have no interest in getting anything done. Mm. Yeah, that's good. You're making me think about how maybe I should slightly, I don't think I do a terrible job with this because um, we're always naming action items and, and things like that, but with my fire circle, which is a group of guys that come to my house uh, every other week, and we talk about four fires, and we, we talk about whether we're up, down, or flatlined in our four-dimensional journey. And a lot of times it just turns into us just talking, which is great. Like you, like I would say, that's the first step is to be vulnerable and be authentically known and to talk about things. But that's why I put a real emphasis on all of When we're in that group, all of us will name our action items. Like this is what I'm going to do this week to help this area that we just talked about that, that was not good. I just, uh, I, I guess I couldn't agree with you more on making the plan is so important. So important. And being a good man, it's has two sides of it. You have to be able and capable of helping other men be great men. And you have to be open and willing and vulnerable to let men help you be a great man. Mm-hmm. And so that feeds into that whole process that I mentioned that you, you're expressing and explaining what works in your fire group. Awareness, wisdom, which also oftentimes comes from those friends that we're feeding off of each other. And then, like you just said, what's the action you're going to take after we've talked through how we're, fe- we're feeling and then considering what the wise thoughts are regarding those feelings? Right. One of the things that really annoys me, I guess is what I'll call it, is when uh, I'll have a conversation with someone and we'll be looking at someone else, something good that has happened in somebody else's life, and I'll just say people are real quick to say, oh, that guy's just lucky. Like, oh man, he's so lucky that that happened to him and I don't have good luck uh, one of the things that you said during the 30-day ruck was luck happens when preparation meets opportunity. A good man is not passive. He doesn't just sit back and hope that good luck comes his way. He's very intentional and engaged with, like we talked about, making a plan. And that was just one of the things you said during the ruck that, that I wrote down on the paper and it's been stuck in my head ever since because I want to make sure that when the opportunities come for me that I'm I'm prepared. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's um, something in business professionally or if it's an opportunity for me to do something nice for my wife. I want to just always be in the place, whether it's like physical preparation or mental or emotional preparation, that I'm always as prepared as I (laughs) at least prepared enough where I can act on that opportunity. That point that you made was just inspirational to me. So I guess I just want to say thanks for sharing that because it, it helps me make sure that I am prepared when the, when an opportunity presents itself. I've found it's my nature and I think a lot of other people's nature to think about the bad deal that they did or think about the amazing deal that they didn't do. People never recollect all of the bad deals that they didn't do. Hmm. It's a big deal, the word intentional, And so one thing that I've learned and am still learning in my life is I'm pretty ambitious and 
willing to be proactive, but sometimes for me to be a good man, the man God's called me to be, I need to intentionally be more passive. Hmm. Because sometimes fixing everything immediately or just putting a plan in place isn't the wise approach or the right answer. Hmm. And I think that's true in business, in relationships, in pretty much everything. Yeah. So that's why I'm I'm so big on the word wisdom. Mm-hmm. It's not just all about going out and fighting all the time. Sometimes wisdom and knowing how to be a good man is knowing when to fight and when not to fight. Hmm. I have three sons. They're 12, 11, and 9 right now. I've been thinking about who I am in their life. I've been thinking about how other men are in their life and what they see and what their vision is for themselves in their life. And I I looked out into popular culture and whatever. And my view, and maybe I'm pessimistic, but I don't see many men out in the world who are made known to us in our culture that inspire me, who I think are good men, who I would want to be my neighbor, who I would want to influence my sons. And that feels terrible. Yeah. But I do see friends. I see a guy across the table from me. I see men that I know but who are not put up in in the world as heroes. And that's why I just feel passionate about this good man thing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't – you don't have to be. And unfortunately, our our culture and our media don't put good men up there. But you don't have to be a famous man or Mm -hmm. a popular man to be a good man. Mm -hmm. I think about I have a friend who married really well and into a really great family. And I think about my friend's wife's father and who he is. Mm -hmm. He has a very firm handshake. He says what he means, but he doesn't say a lot. Mm -hmm. And you might say when interacting with him that he's kind of passive. But I know that, no, he's a good man who is very intentional and when there's a battle to be fought, he fought it and he wins it. But he doesn't have to fight that much yeah. because the world he lives in knows who he is and they, they, the world respects him. He, he's a very quiet inspiration to me yeah. and has been for a long time. But I think you also have to fight too sometimes. Sure, sure. And I think in today's world when everyone is about tolerance – I think tolerance is great until you lose sight of truth because Mm -hmm. while I think a lot of people don't want to admit it, nobody wants to live in a world where there isn't a foundational level of truth. Mm -hmm. I think a good man, it's a prerequisite for you to be able to stand up and fight Mm -hmm. for what's good when you need to. Just a few nights ago, I had a really proud moment with my son, and it was him as the man that he's coming in to become, the man that God's called him to be. He called me into his room to talk to me, and it was that calling me into his room was a powerful thing. And so when I got there, he made a couple of comments, and I knew why I was in the room. And so... I felt it was a moment of him learning and knowing what kind of man I am and my influence, what kind of man he would become. Mm -hmm. And so I started out with an apology. I didn't really want to make that apology, but 
good men do difficult things because wisdom overcomes their feelings. And in that moment, I knew I needed to apologize. He did the same thing. He also overcame his feelings and he made an apology. But then the biggest thing that happened was he held me accountable and said, now, Dad, I want you to go apologize to my brothers who are downstairs. And it was the first time that I felt him demonstrate this amazing, kind, powerful characteristic of accountability to me. And I think that's what's lacking a lot in the relationships and friendships that men have and in within our culture is a unwillingness to have kind accountability, to give it and to receive it. The next day after I processed all of that, I said, I need to reinforce this. And I sent him a text message basically telling him how proud I was that even at his young age, he was able to hold me accountable and inspire me to be a better man. Yeah, that's powerful. I think that's, I'm not a dad yet, but that's what I would wish for and probably every man wishes for, that their that their son be and become, especially at such a young age. Yeah. Um, so that's amazing. And I know that he's not in that position because he's just naturally that great. I know he's in that position because of you and probably other men in his life have been examples for him to be able to probably have the boldness to stand up like that as a young man. Great job on your part, because I know that mm. he, he wouldn't be that way if it weren't for you. I know that you've had a lot of influence on him, so great job. Thank you. Um, but I think dads in our, in our culture and even Christian dads, we forget that this kid doesn't belong to me. Mm. My job is to simply be a steward of the responsibility that God's given to me to raise God's son. And so with that humility and also the acceptance that my sons are not going to grow up to become the men that God's called them to to be because of me. Mm. They're going to grow up to become those men because of God. That's why you're a good man, because Mm. I just gave you a compliment and you pointed to God. Hmm. And thank you for doing that because that just for me kind of just a reminder for me. A lot of times on like a self <clears throat> self development journey, like a four the four dimensional journey. For me, I can I'm not saying this is how it is for everybody, but I can get a little carried away with I'm the man and I'm gonna fix all this. And that was just a great re- reminder for me <laughs> from from another man that. It all has to point to Jesus. Thank you for that, because I get a little prideful and a little boastful sometimes. Um, So thanks for the kind accountability. So do you have any other things that you wrote down that you wanted to add to how do you define a good man? I think the only other thing that in my five-minute mental preparation list, and this is just something that we were talking about earlier, and that is, a good man has to have a mission that is bigger than him. I felt a little bit encouraged in that in our, our um, conversation earlier. If I am, like you said, building all of my four fires to serve me because I want to live an optimized life, I'm never going to really get there. Mm-hmm. I won't be really achieving, I think, what, what the goal is. 
And kind of like what I said about my sons, me being able to recognize that they don't belong to me, it's powerful because I can love them in a way that's much more unselfish than I could have otherwise. Mm -hmm. And in the same way for me, if I live my life and say it's all about me, me is never going to satisfy me. But if I live my life with a bigger mission, I might find some contentment in me. So the question from that that I ask myself, the question that uh, I want all of the listeners to ask themselves is, what is your mission that's bigger than you? For believers, that's the Great Commission, and that's building God's kingdom. So I challenge, I challenge all the listeners to, to take a, a minute or take an hour, take a day, ask God to speak to you and give you a mission, because particularly for men, we're called to lead, and it's kind of hard to lead if you don't have a, a mission that's bigger than you. What's there to lead? Right. If there is no mission. If there is no mission, yeah. As men, our spouses and our children will be more inspired to follow us and respect us if we have a mission that we're going or, or trying to accomplish that's bigger than us. As I've been thinking about this good man definition, when I grew up, I always thought, and I never told anyone this, the fruits of the Spirit were kind of wimpy. As I get a little bit wiser and recognize that strength and power and confidence and these attributes of a good man, the fruits of the Spirit become much more alive to me in my mind. Wisdom and discernment and knowing when and how to deploy those things and when to enjoy those things. I think those have to be in any definition of what a good man looks like. And by the way, my favorite one to rail and talk about is that word love. Love is not a feeling. Mm. Love is an action. Mm -hmm. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I think that's all of them. The one that, that I've really, I think, have begun to understand... Still, I'll be understanding the rest of my life, but the self-control was really big in just every, you know, the four fires. Uh, and one of the big things that my wife told me, we were married, we'd, we were in our first six months of marriage. We've been married for two and a half years now, but first six months of marriage was just kind of rough. I wasn't leading well. I wasn't real. I had just gotten introduced to the four fires, so I was just, I, I just not yet become the man that I'm still trying to become, I guess is the best way I could put it. And Rachel told me one time, your words mean nothing to me. I've told Yeah. So I've, I've told you this story before yeah. at the Entrepreneur Summit, but um, she said that to me. And I, I mean, it like my reaction was internally was what you just did. Like, oh my, my gosh, that just like Gut stabbed punch. me in the heart. And right for like, she was exactly right. At that time in my life, I would, I would say whatever I thought she wanted to hear just so that she would, if I'm being completely honest, my attitude was tell her whatever she wants to hear just because I want her to shut up and leave me alone. That like, if I'm being completely transparent. Mm -hmm. And so I was just saying, yes, yes, I'll do it. No, whatever. Like I was just saying whatever I wanted her to hear so that she'd leave me alone. Uh, but what she needed was me to either, if I was going to do it, say, yes, I'll do that. And if I wasn't, if I knew I wasn't going to do it, say, no, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that. Or I can't get that, can't get to that today. And so I think the self-control was like self-control of 
my words and and then also my actions and um, the Bible talks a lot about the power of life and death is in the tongue and no man can tame the tongue however I think I've done a lot of work <laughs> to to have self-control in that area over the last uh, I guess two years what's your advice to a man on how he can work to become a good man I was asked to participate in leading sort of a small group concept for middle schoolers where my oldest son would participate. In last week's meeting, everyone was saying, hey, why do I want to do this? And I told them that I have a friend that I grew up in church with, and he's still one of my very close friends. And he very boldly will say that he has a few friends that have very much influenced who he is and the man that he he's become because for the most part everyone in his world thinks he is a champion and he is a champion so my advice would be to seek out and find time and make time to spend with other good men because that will be the foundation like i mentioned earlier to helping you me and all of the men that in the world figure out how to be good men to the stranger or the client at work or the estranged relationship in your family. I give a lot of credit to any goodness that I have and who I am to the really great men that I've been able to hang out with and have influenced who I am as a man over the last 20-something years. Yeah, You are who you hang out with. Or something like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll find that quote better. Maybe yeah. maybe you can quote that later in the podcast. Yeah. You become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. You and Alan have all that smart stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think our culture teaches us to build walls against those feelings because those feelings are painful and they're, they're, they create vulnerability. But a good man doesn't need that armor. He's built from within to withstand and care and then do something about it. Though a good man knows when to put down the sword so that whoever they're interacting with can also put down their sword or put down their shield. What's an example of that one? When you're actively in an emotional battle with someone and you choose to put down your sword? Marriage? Hey, babe. I am not going to say one more thing that has any degree of negativity right now for the rest of the day because I know that we need to heal. And I know you need to heal because of things I've said, and I'm sorry about that. I'm hoping you can also lower, lower your sword or lower your shield, but I can't control that. only thing I can control is that I'm definitely going to lower my sword and lower my shield. So on that on that topic, what's the one thing that you've learned either in your whole life or recently on being a good husband, being a good man in your marriage? That might be a quarterly thing for me. <laughs> the biggest thing I've learned about marriage mm-hmm. and probably will be a quarterly thing for me so long as my wife is willing to stay married to me in the future. But lately it's been God has built her and God has built me and we're different. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. God wasn't building us to create the perfect, most optimized human he could. He simply built me different and built her different, and that's okay. Now, I do say 
if mine and Lisa's kids all got my perfect characteristics and her perfect characteristics, they would be amazing. If they got all of my negative characteristics and all of her negative characteristics, they would be terrible humans. So <laughs> fortunately, I think they got a blend of both. So, somewhere so. in between. Yes. Yeah. All in different measures and, and metrics, but yeah, they're all three awesome and they're all three also imperfect, just like their mom and dad. Yeah. So do you have uh, a good example of a story of what a good man looks like? I do, Jeff. I've had a, a a difficult thing in my life for a little while now, and I have a good friend who's been aware of it, and he asks about it from time to time. And in the last few months, he became more aware of how it was impacting me in a big way. And what he did was he proactively went out and sought with the person I was in conflict with to try to help bridge a relationship that he had no connection to. He used the example during that time frame to express that, hey, look, Matthew is one of my best friends, but I think I'm called to love Matthew in a way that means if I think... I need to say something to him or do something that's going to really hurt my friendship with him, I still might be willing to do that if that's what's best for his marriage. And that selfless approach to relationship and friendship in a way that is with wisdom and power and proactive action relative to feelings and wisdom is perfect definition or example of what it means to be a good man and and a good friend a good man is a is, good friend going to be a good friend that's right right well that's a great story matthew thanks so much for your time i know uh we've kind of we kind of jumped around a little bit but there's definitely a lot of wisdom there and i'm really grateful to have a mature wise man in my life like you who's able to speak wisdom into me and into my life and so Thank you for taking the time to to spend time with me and and pour into me. And uh, we haven't we haven't known each other really. We met, I guess, about a year ago. We went to the summit together. We've gone through a thirty day ruck together, and and we haven't we haven't spent we, we spent a weekend at the lake together, but we haven't spent a whole lot of time together. And uh, I think that's really powerful. That I I feel such a you're just a very valuable man, and you're a good man. And for to have only spent time with you three or four times, uh, I'm just really grateful for that. And so thank you. Thank you guys for listening, and I hope you got some value out of this topic of how to be a good man and what a good man is. I hope you will take some time to do have some self-reflection and ask yourself if you're being a good man and invite the men in your life to um, give you some kind accountability and some feedback on whether they think you're being a good man or not. Um, So go live intentionally, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Four Fires Podcast.